And uh, let's go ahead and, and we're going to open up in a word of prayer. And then uh, we'll get started tonight and I'll keep you guys occupied for a few minutes and then let you loose to pray together. Father, we do uh, just bow before you uh, tonight, Lord, as we open your word, as we dig into your truth. And Father, as we, as we uh, just uh, take your scripture that is meant uh, to mold and shape and guide uh, our daily lives, Fathers, uh, Father, our attitudes, our thoughts, um, and we thank you for that word. And Father, sometimes, um, sometimes it cuts and it stings, uh, Father, but that's conviction and that's a good thing. And so we do thank you that your word convicts us. Uh, and that through your Holy Spirit, we come to a, an understanding of our sin, Father, and that, uh, and that we are able to boldly approach your throne, uh, to ask for forgiveness, uh, to seek your face, and Father, just to grow, uh, to be more and more Christ-like each and every day. And so, I just ask that tonight as we open your word, as we uh, dig into your scripture, uh, Father, and, and, uh, and we just apply its truth. It's in your name that we pray, amen. Okay, so uh, last week uh, we were in First Peter chapter 1. This week we're going to jump over to chapter 2. Uh, we're definitely skipping a couple things, but I only have a uh, last week and this week uh, with you. Just uh, one of the things out of First Peter, uh, there were several things out of First Peter that um, are just wonderful. Uh, and I wanted to share a couple things just as I've worked through uh, this, this book. Uh, a few times, and just, uh, you know, I'm going through my notes in my Bible, just things I've, I've written down over and over and over again. Um, and I think for us in the climate in which we live, uh, in the day and age in which we live, one of the things uh, that is what we might call a, a hot topic or a, a hot-button topic would be that of politics. And, uh, and, and often uh, we bristle at that when we talk about politics, um, Specifically, maybe even more politicians than politics itself, uh, and, and I was really encouraged uh, with Pastor a couple weeks ago when when he kind of addressed uh, the congregation and just uh, the position of the leadership, um, and, I, and I really appreciated how uh, Pastor Zach really focused on you know it's the Word of God. Uh, we are focused on the Word of God and what the Word of God tells us, and, and that's that is what's important. And, and I, and I truly believe that, and I, and I think we can get caught up uh, in a whirlwind of debate. We can get caught up uh, often in argument, and um, sometimes in, in trying to prove our point, we end up uh, potentially crossing lines. Um, and God's Word calls us to a higher standard as believers when we have these conversations. So tonight, uh, that's what we're going to talk about. Uh, we're going to look at uh, 1 Peter uh, in chapter 2, we're going to start in verse 9, and I'm going to work through verse 17, and we're just kind of chunk some things out, and then uh, I, I just have some questions uh, that are, I would say would be application for us uh, as believers uh, to really focus on. So if you, if you would, starting in verse 9, it says, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who were once not a people but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy but now have obtained mercy. Beloved, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul, having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles, 
that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works which they observe glorify God in the day of visitation. Therefore, submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether to the king as supreme or to governors as to those who are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men as free, yet not using liberty as a cloak for vice, but as bondservants of God. Honor all people. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the king. Okay. Um, I really want to start in verse 11, and I'm going to tie back into to verses uh, 9 and 10 here in just, just a, a few seconds. But if you look at verse 11, and he talks uh, and introduces you, and he calls him beloved, and I, I love how uh, Peter uses that language. He says, I beg you. I beg you. I mean, there, there is some pleading in the voice of this apostle to uh, the readers of this letter. I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims. And immediately he is describing these people as one who do not belong. And, and we do not belong. And I think that's very critical for us to understand as believers. We do not belong. Not, not here. This is where God has us. But where do we belong? We belong to the kingdom of Jesus Christ. That is, that is where our citizenship lies. Our citizenship lies in heaven, right? That, that's his eternal kingdom. So that's where we belong. And, and, and he says right here, and I wanna, I wanna, we're going to be jumping into several different chapters, so please have your hands ready to go. But one of the things I want to talk about here, he says, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. Okay? When he says... I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims. One of the things that grabbed me was Galatians. And I, and I want to go back to Galatians. We're going to look at just a couple sections in Galatians here from verse 11. If you go to Galatians uh, chapter 2, verse 19, and keep your finger there in First Peter. But in Galatians chapter 2, verse 19, he says this, For I through the law died to the law that I might live to God. Isn't that interesting? I... I I threw the law, died to the law, that I might live to God. What, what, what's Paul saying there? He says, I, I'm living to God. Look, we are to live to God. That's our goal. That's our goal. It's to live to God. And I love what Martin Luther said. He said, our goal isn't to get along in the world. It's to live to God while in the world. And then he goes on to say this. A Christian is a perfectly free Lord of all, subject to none. But listen how he closes this statement. A Christian is a perfectly dutiful servant of all, subject to all. What, what a wonderful balance. But, that, but that's us. That's a wonderful description of us. We are in this world a perfectly free Lord of all, subject to none. But boy... Because we belong to Christ, because we live to God, we are dutiful servants of all. We are, we are subject to all. We want to submit. Okay? And we're going to talk about this submission here in a minute that Peter is calling us to. But he says abstain from fleshly lusts. And, I, and this ties right in. If you go to Galatians chapter 5, and just a couple pages over there, you know, we, we think of fleshly lusts, and immediately we, I think we think of sexual sin. And, and that's accurate it's very accurate but it's it's not limited to 
definitely not limited to. Listen to what Paul says here in, in, in Galatians 5.19. He says, the works of the flesh are evident. Adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contention, jealousy, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambition, dissensions, heresy, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like. Of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. All sin is lawlessness. And, and, and guys, when, when we read that list, we, we often think the, the, flesh, you know, the, the sins of the flesh, those lustly, fleshly things, we automatically go right to, that's got to be a sexual sin. I don't struggle in that area. Peter's not talking to me. Well, he very much is talking to you. Because if I'm making that statement, I, I, I'm struggling with some pride. Okay? And that, that definitely is a fleshly lust. It, have I ever been jealous? Have I ever been angry? Have I ever yelled at somebody out of anger? Uh, I could go on and on with things that I know that I would probably do on a daily basis that are struggles of the flesh. And so when we look at this in 1 Peter, he is saying abstain from those which war against your soul. And, and here's how we're going to get to what we're going to talk about tonight. Look at verse 12. Have your conduct honorable among the Gentiles that when they speak against you as evildoers, that they might, may, by your good works, which they observe, glorify God in the day of visitation. And guys, as we are getting ready, he's getting ready to jump in with this giant therefore. Okay? He's leading up to something. He's leading up to something, and he is going to start right away with being a citizen. He's going to start right away with politics. Right off the bat. He hits that right off the bat. I, I find that very interesting. Why, why start there? Why start there? Well, obviously they lived in a very political hotbed back in the day. Rome was not a very friendly empire. Obviously not. Um, there's nothing new under the sun. I would say we probably live in a modern-day Rome, very much so, given the culture that we live in. They had a very sinful culture. We have a very sinful culture. Okay? They had leaders who we, they didn't agree with. We have leaders who we don't agree with. But, but here's the thing. What am I saying about my politicians? What am I saying about my government? What am I saying about my mayor, my boss? All those who are in authority of me, that's different from those who do not know the Lord. How am I different? Because he's begged me. Peter has begged me. Remember where you live. Remember who you belong to. He's begged me not to be of the world. Paul's told us, I died to the law, through the law, so I could live to God. Are we living to God in our conversations about politics? And, and, and this is a tough one. It's a tough pill to swallow. It's a t- I, told, I told my wife, I go, I, 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 people might be a little bit bristled by the time this is over. I'm sorry. These are things I have to remind myself of. Okay? Um, I, I can get into some pretty hot top, topic debates there with, with Pat back there. She gets going, and then I get going, and we get going together, and mom, mom and son are at it. Politician this, politician that. I, I, sometimes I've got to pump the brakes and be like, whew, i got to stop. i gotta, I got to pull myself back here because we can get rolling, and we need not to. Okay, so this isn't just, um, 
I'm standing up here on a soapbox. This is me sitting here going, oh, boy, do I struggle with this. Boy, do I struggle with this. So let's jump in here to verse 13. Because I've been called to something different, because I do not belong here, because I'm living to God, therefore, therefore, submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether to the king as supreme or to the governors as to those who are sent by him for punishment of evildoers and for the praise of those who do good. When I look at verse 13 and I read this command from Peter, not a suggestion, not advice, a command. Therefore, submit yourself to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake. And if it's for the Lord's sake, guess what? Then it's not about what I think I feel like doing. It truly isn't. It's not about what I think I feel like doing today. It's the will of God that I submit. Now, why? Well, Real quickly, look back at verse 9. You are a chosen generation. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. You are his own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you where? Out of darkness. He called you out of the sinfulness of the world into his marvelous light. You were once not a people, but now you are a people. You're the people of God. You didn't have mercy, but now you have mercy. So why do I submit to every ordinance of man? What's for the Lord's sake? And why is that wholly appropriate? What did I come from that he saved me out of? I do not belong to this world, neither do you. You belong to his kingdom. And because of that, we are called to something completely different in the way we live our lives as citizens in this world. Proverbs 24:21. I'll try to move through these relatively quickly. Proverbs 24 and verse 21 says this, my son, fear the Lord and the king. Do not associate with those given to change. You know, it's this is a difficult verse for us, I think, right now as believers because it is very easy for us to throw our hat into one political arena and be like, it's time. Something has to be done with what's going on with our government. My son, fear the Lord and the King. Do not associate with those given to change. There is certainly a right and wrong way to go about things, but but being a keyboard warrior, that's not one of them. And it, a keyboard warrior is somebody who sits at their computer or on their phone or whatever device it is, and they freely type away. And I'm going to give you this opinion. I'm going to give you that opinion. I'm going to go here. I'm going to go there. I'm going to do all this stuff. And I really have no, I'm not bound by anything I do. I can say whatever I want. I can hide behind a screen, and I will fight tooth and nail with my words. But what are our words saying? Are they uplifting? Are they praiseworthy? Are they honorable? Are they charitable? Because that's the kingdom we live in. That's where our residency is. Those are the qualities of our kingdom. Okay? So, as we go through there, Romans 13, 4. 
And this, this would relate to verse 14 specifically, where it says to the governors, as to those who are evil, those who are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of those who do good. Romans 13, 4 says this, for he is speaking of those in, in charge, for he is God's minister to you for good. But if you do evil, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain, for he is God's minister and avenger to execute wrath on him who practices evil. Okay, he is God's minister. God has appointed that person over us. And, 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 to, and to make the statement, <clears throat> and to make the statement, and I think this is where our, our attitude has to come into check. I don't have to like it. It's God's minister, but I don't have to like it. Boy, you just kind of counteracted everything <laughs> that that scripture talks about because you're, you're counteracting it with your heart. You're counteracting it with your heart. You may not be in open rebellion. You may not be marching and protesting and all that stuff. But if in my heart I'm just loathing a human and, and, and loathing, and I mean the I mean, I, that's that's a strong word, but it's an appropriate word, loathing the person in charge, what are you doing in your heart? Is your heart living in God's kingdom? Or did it take a vacation back to the world? Okay? We've got to guard ourselves when it comes to politics and how we talk about our politicians. First Timothy. First Timothy chapter 2. Starting in verse 1, it says, Therefore I exhort, I exhort first of all that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for only those who believe, live in your church and believe exactly what you do. That's not what that scripture says at all. At all. It says, I exhort first of all that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings, and all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceful life in all godliness and reverence, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. And if we aren't living gospel lives when we talk about politics or we talk about our government leaders or politicians, how on earth are people supposed to see the gospel? How on earth are they supposed to see Jesus Christ in us? But they won't. They won't. You're actually veiling them from the truth. It's like you're putting blinders. You're putting gospel blinders on them when, when we do this. And we can't. We cannot do this. We should not do this. We're commanded not to do this. Verse 15, it says, For this is the will of God, that by doing good you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. That ties directly back to verse 12. Having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles, that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may, by your good works, which they observe, glorify God in the day of visitation. Okay, this is exactly what Peter's talking about. If I am speaking of my government leaders or politicians in general, or politics in general, however you want to word it, 
and I am speaking hatred, and I'm speaking uh, negativity, and I'm hating in my heart, how am I going to, by my life, allow an unbeliever to glorify God? Now, I don't think about that when I'm doing it. I don't. But what Peter is trying to get across to this believing church and to us and to me is that you are a sojourner and a pilgrim and you do not belong here. But while you're here, your job is to live to God. And are you living to God with the gospel when you talk about government? Verse 16, he says that, he follows up verse 15, they put to silence the ignorance of foolish men as free, yet not using liberty as a cloak for vice, but as bond servants of God. First uh, Corinthians, let me turn to that real quick. First Corinthians chapter 7. In verse 22 it says this, For he who is called in the Lord while a slave is the Lord's freedman. Likewise he who is called while free is Christ's slaves. You were bought at a price. Do not become slaves of men. Do not become slaves of men. You were bought at a price. Okay, we, we are free. We are free. We are wholly free. Okay, we're free because we have freedoms in this nation in which we live. But we are free from the punishment and the wages of sin because of Christ. And what did Christ do in order for that to happen? He had to pay a price. And the wages he paid were great. And we belong to him. Paul repeatedly, over and over again in his letter, says, I'm a slave to Christ. I'm a slave to Christ. Do we live a life as a slave to Christ, wholly belonging to him and him alone? Or do we allow ourselves to keep dipping our feet over into the world and getting back involved with those things by the way we talk and the way we act when it comes to government and those in authority? Verse 17 says this, Honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, and honor the king. You know, when it comes to citizenship, I think it's fair to say that the best citizens on the planet, they have to be believers. They have to be. And if we're believers, then we have to be the best citizens because we're commanded to do so. Because we live our life daily in joy and peace and security and hope that is only found in Jesus Christ, the one who establishes the kingdom in which we live. And so the best citizens must be Christians. We're commanded to do so. We're commanded to do so. 
Uh, John, John Piper, uh, I wrote this quote down in my Bible because I was, I was reading, and one of the things he said was this. He said, our whole disposition of freedom and joy and fearlessness and radical otherness from this world is rooted in our belonging to God. I, I, I really love how he wrote that. All of those things, our freedom and joy and fearlessness and radical otherness that separates us from this world is rooted in belonging to God. Brothers and sisters, that's where we belong. That's who we belong to. And while we are here, what are we doing with our witness? What are we doing with the gospel of Jesus Christ when it comes to our government, to our political leaders, to those in authority? How are we sharing the gospel in those conversations? And my guess is, in the next weeks and months, in the following year and a half, it is going to be an open-door season for you and me to live the gospel in our conversations about politics. You know, we, we often talk about what, you know, this country needs a revival. Well, that's true. Did you ever think of maybe God is opening up doors for revival on a daily basis just by allowing you to, to do what you do in this nation? To be friends with the friends you have? To have the conversations that you have? Every opportunity is an opportunity for revival in the nation, if you think about it that way. Every opportunity is an opportunity for the gospel. Are, are we taking advantage of that? Okay? So, five application questions um, that, that we can go through this. One, how am I talking, how am I talking about my president or my vice president or my governor or senators, representatives, I don't, mayor, pick, pick one. Doesn't matter. Pick one. How am I talking about them? How do I talk about them? How do I talk about them to believers? How do I talk about them with unbelievers? So how, how are you talking about your government leaders? Here, here's my advice. Here's my advice, not advice, my advice. Am I too cynical? Yes. Yeah, I confess, yes. Am I too cynical? Am I too cynical when it comes to my government leaders, my government itself, politicians in general, politics in general? Am I too cynical? Boy, I struggle with that one. I struggle. Am I too cynical? Do I let my rebellion trump God's grace? Do I let my rebellion trump God's grace? Am, am I so at angst with what's going on around me and the decisions that are being made? Am I forgetting that I've been saved by grace, that God is merciful, that God has appointed leaders, that I'm to submit to their authority, that I'm to be the best citizen because Christ has saved me to something better than this place? Am I so locked in my rebellion that it just it trumps God's grace in my life? Am I obeying the law? 
It's a relatively easy one. I mean, for the most part, am I obeying the law? 16 to 55, 55 and a 50, 38 and a 25, you know, all sorts of things. Am I, it's the law. Am I obeying the law? Am I obeying the law? Am, am I requiring my children? Listen, you need to obey the law. They're there for a purpose. They're there to keep us safe. Okay? may not like it. may not like my rules, but it's there to keep you safe. I may not like the rule, but these rules are here to keep you safe. Am I obeying the law? And the last one, do I talk politics more than I talk the gospel? That, that's, a, that's, a, that's a tough one, I think. Do I talk politics more than I talk the gospel? Now, do I talk politics to believers more than I talk the gospel? Do I talk politics with unbelievers more than I talk the gospel? Am I using my keyboard to talk politics more than I'm talking about the gospel. Those are all things that, that we have to consider and we have to understand. And, and again, I know this isn't the most pleasant of things to talk about. I understand that. I get that. You know what? It, gospel cuts. The Word of God cuts. It cuts because it convicts. And it, if you're a little bristled tonight, you know, I hope the Holy Spirit's convicting you. I do. It convicted me when I was reading through this and preparing this and going through this. So, yeah, I got this one. I got this. Oh, boy, I don't want to have that one. I struggle there. Oh, never mind. I struggle with that one. Wait a minute. What did I just talk about earlier today? Oh, great. Now I struggle with this one. Okay. It, I, am, I have to remind myself and we have to remind each other on a daily basis who we belong to where we belong, and the price that was paid to put us where we belong. Our citizenship, it's not in the United States of America. Our citizenship is in the kingdom of Jesus Christ. He has us here to live to him. That's what we're called to. And that, that's a challenge that we have to have on a daily basis. There, there's a right and wrong way uh, to be a citizen when you're a Christian. And challenge each other. Challenge each other. Gently. Gently. And, and lovingly challenge each other to live to God. Especially when it comes to how we speak about our politicians and how we speak about our government.